going to get into Matthew chapter 7 tonight, but this young man who's walking around right now, Josiah Keo, we a few weeks ago we talked about his missions trip, and so he is raising money to go to Mexico. So he's got his first fundraiser down, and I know some folks in the church already helped him, but my understanding is he also does jobs for missions money. Works. Don't laugh too loud, Trina, all right? Um, so... We'll help get him to the, let's help get him to Mexico. I'm pretty excited about that. All right, let's turn tonight to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7, and we're going to look at verse number 1 through 5. Matthew 7, and actually we've got a couple of coming in. So maybe if you, did you, do you have the stack with you still or no? Why don't you leave him with, with your dad there, and he can keep his eyes for anybody on the lookout for anybody that comes in later. So, all right. Just to remind everybody that we have a special service on Wednesday, on Sunday night, and that's our Thanksgiving and communion service. So it's a special time this Sunday night at six o'clock. So plan to come and be a part of that. As we receive the Lord's Supper, and we are, um, and we just spend some time giving thanks in the Word and through testimonies, should be a great time. Okay, Matthew chapter seven tonight. We'll look at the first five verses. These are really well-known verses, even by people that aren't Christians. They know they know this verse right there. But we're going to talk about it, and uh, we're going to uh, see what the Lord has for us tonight. So, Matthew 7, read verse number 1, good and loud, out loud with me together. Matthew 7, 1, begin, judge not that he be not judged. Let's pray. Lord, we've already prayed tonight uh, already, and we've already given thanks. Lord, I just want to take a minute and just uh, praise you for the, just the host of children that are here tonight, Lord, and thank you that we can have this ministry, but Lord, we also know it's a, a real stewardship. You've entrusted these young hearts and minds to us, and you've called us to minister to them. I pray that as a church, we would take that seriously. Lord, I pray that you'd be with the workers downstairs right now. I pray that uh, your, you, Holy Spirit, would move through that room, and as the Word of God goes forth, that it would touch hearts. I pray that you'd give the teachers and the workers uh, patience and wisdom. Lord, I pray that uh, you would... Just uh, draw children to salvation. Please bless our time tonight. I pray that it would be fruitful, that uh, as we study the word, that we'd all participate. I pray that our conversation would be rich and edifying. And I pray that we would just leave tonight uh, just with a, an extra sense of your filling, Lord, that maybe we've come a little bit empty and we need to leave here filled. I pray that we do that. We thank you for our salvation. We thank you, Jesus, for your shed blood. Please give us a wonderful time in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine own eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite! First, 
cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. So obviously the passage here is dealing with this idea of judgmentalism. I wanted to, because it's been a while, we had taken a break from this study in our missions month, I want to just remind us of some background thoughts about the Sermon on the Mount. So the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is teaching principles, and really the whole book of Matthew is teaching principles of what it is like to be part of his spiritual kingdom. So up until now, who were the caretakers, so to speak, of the kingdom? At least in the eyes of the, at least in the, eyes of the people of the day, who were the caretakers of the kingdom? would be the Pharisees and the priests and the religious scribes of the day. And everybody's looking for a kingdom. And so this is, this is a, a topic that would be very near and dear to them. And so the Pharisees in their mind are the teachers of the kingdom, or the keepers of the kingdom. So sometimes we struggle when we look at, we look at Matthew chapters, well, the whole book of Matthew, and we're looking for the gospel. The gospel is there, but really what we need to understand is Jesus is preparing the people for the gospel. He's teaching them that their understanding of the kingdom and the way of God, this is a transition between Old and New Testament. So Jesus is, he's teaching the good news of the kingdom, that the kingdom has come, but we don't have the full New Testament gospel yet because Jesus hasn't died and he hasn't been resurrected. So all of these teachings are really trying to change their perspective. And so for us, we're actually able to look backwards into it. We have the full message of the gospel, so now we back our understanding of the gospel into what Jesus is teaching, whereas Jesus is teaching to prepare them. Does that make sense? It's, if you're like, oh, I don't quite understand, it's, that's, an important, that's an important thing to, uh, to evaluate because it can get a lot, of, it, a lot of confusing and false teachings have come out of the gospels because people don't understand that what, the, what Jesus is doing is he's preparing us for his death and coming, his coming death and resurrection. So this is a teaching that's really supposed to change perspectives, and it's also an alternative to the way of the Pharisees, a different way of thinking than what people have been accustomed to. So let's think about some of the topics that have already been, that have already been covered. Can we get a, a handout to Seth in the back there? So what are some of the topics that have already been covered that are a different way of thinking? First of all, uh, keeping of the law. Do you remember? We've seen that already, that you have heard it has been said, thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say unto you. You've heard you shall not kill, but I say to you. So Jesus has uh, reframed their thinking on keeping the law. That on prayer. We saw that on Sunday, and we've seen it before with the Lord's Prayer, that Pharisees and the people of the day had one way of praying, and Jesus gives them a new way. So a new way of keeping the law, a new way of praying, Jesus addressed their giving, whether it's in the giving of alms, do it in secret. Jesus re, uh, told them to rethink their way of relating to their possessions, right? Don't lay up treasures on earth, but lay treasures up in heaven. So all of these things, there was a, a way of thinking that was a Pharisee's way of thinking. And now there is the way that Jesus is teaching them in his kingdom, so with that in mind, he comes to verse number one. We come to verse number one of chapter seven, this idea of not judging. So obviously, I think it would be safe for us to assume that the Pharisees were professional judges, and that is what they did. In fact, some of them were even called lawyers. They were so well-studied in the law. So 
I don't need to say, I don't think I need to say to this crowd, I think you understand this, is all, are all forms of judging spoken against in the Bible? True or false? They, uh, that, or all forms of, of judging are forbidden in the Bible. True or false? That would be false. In fact, in 1 Corinthians it says, he that is spiritual judges all things. Right? We're called to be discerning and whatnot. So I guess I would ask you the first question, then in light of everything we've said and what we know from this, the discussion question number one on the front of your handout, what, what would you say is at the heart of the type of judgmentalism that Jesus is referring to here? What, how would you describe it or what would you say is characteristic and at the heart of this type of judgmentalism that Jesus is describing? Yes. Yes, hypocrisy is a part of it. We'll see that hypocrisy in a minute. What else would you say is, is at the heart of it? Yep. Yeah, there's a pride or like a moral superiority, right? Like I have that I am the righteous one and I would look at others. Anything else that would be at the heart of this type of judgmentalism that he's referring to? Okay, I think that pretty much sums it up. It's the idea of you are, you're, it's, it goes beyond discernment, and it's when a person sets themselves up as really the judge of another person. So your behavior is now subject to my view. Whereas true, our, the true attitude of the Christian is that we are all under the righteous judgment of Jesus Christ. And I do not relate to anyone else as their judge. I relate to them as a fellow sinner who needs the Savior. And so what he's teaching them is that no person, you never come to the point of being the judge of anyone. So it's really important. Now, look at verse number, uh, verse number two again. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But let me ask you this. You know, how many of us are guilty at times of judgmentalism, right? And, and the unbiblical kind of judgmentalism. So let me ask you this. In what ways do we sometimes exhibit this? Jesus says, don't judge. Well, I, I, I don't do that. Well, probably not. We probably do. In what ways do we become the judges of other people? Can anybody think of some examples that are real to our situations in which we live. Yeah. When we see someone doing something that is contrary to what we believe, it's supposed to be right. Okay. Yeah, that would cause it. There's, there is a proper reaction to that. It should be compassion. doesn't mean we compromise on the truth. We should see others who... So, so yeah, in, a, in, in that sense, we can be judgmental even when we're right. Right? What are other ways that judgmentalism can rear its ugly head in the life of Christians? Yeah. Uh, just, just generally in life, uh, as you as you walk, as you make your walk in, in life, you, you run into people that do things that uh, are a bit on the outside, as as far as you think. I mean, uh, uh, an example: uh, driving driving down the road, people seem to drive foolishly at times, or you think they drive foolishly. <laughs> So there's a, I would put it, yeah, so I guess what I would say to that is, I have observed that 
we sometimes are judgmental of people based on non-spiritual reasons altogether. Like sometimes judgmentalism can have absolutely nothing to do with their spiritual condition, and we just don't care for the person's personality, the way they interact with other people, their social skills, and we can become judgmental. Sometimes we encounter people that we're not raised with proper etiquette. We're not, they, they do things that are just not socially acceptable, so to speak. And we can, set our, we can view ourselves as superior to them and have this idea of judgmental. In, judgmental. It could apply to their social graces. It could apply to their level of education. I mean, just some, some real-life things that even Christian people would look down on. Any other ways, though, that you can think of where that we might struggle? In our, yeah. Um, kind of going off of that, like, um, people who think about the world differently than you, like uh, libertarians or liberals or... Politically, yeah. political issues. Yeah, there's a... That's a good point. Like we are not people. People can have the the most, the worst of views when it comes to those political things, but we're not called to be their judges. In fact, wasn't that an actual situation in the day and age in which Jesus lived? Like think about the publicans, the tax collectors. They had aligned themselves with the political enemies of the people. The, the, the people in the day, they really thought they had a right to be judgmental against the tax collectors, right? I mean, they, they felt very strongly. I have observed in, that some Christians feel that they have a right to be judgmental against Democrats or Republicans or whatever, however you want to put it. So it's, a, it's the self-examination that we all need to, need to have. Jesus forbids us from being judge, judgmental toward others. What other areas? Any other areas? Yeah. People that have different convictions than we do, either yeah. stronger ones or weaker ones. Yeah. Yeah, there may be, it can go both in both directions in that regard. People that interpret the, like people that are fellow believers that interpret some of the gray areas in the Bible different than us. Like one Christian might be, um, a little bit more permissive in a certain area of their life. And we think, well, because we have a stricter view on that, that makes us better than them. But I've seen the opposite. I've seen people that are like, oh, you know, there's, there, those people are just legalists and that people have stronger convictions and they look down on them as well. So it can, it can happen in both ways, yeah. What other ways can we struggle with this? This heavy sigh there, right? Now we're getting somewhere. Now we're getting somewhere because you're giving us some real, you're being vulnerable and transparent. Boss, you know, he pointed out, well, you know, yeah, that might be true. And, uh, you know, there's a knife over there that's supposed to be clipped yet. <laughs> oh, he was telling you to worry about yours. We're going to get to that in just a minute. It's a struggle. Yeah. And that, I think that I don't, sometimes I don't realize, you know, if I am judging. Well, there's, okay, so if you look at somebody doing wrong, are you supposed to, is, is, it, is the Christian attitude towards someone doing wrong, 
to be like, well, that's okay because I don't want to be a judge of them. No, not at all. However, how does a Christian, how, how should a Christian respond in that type of scenario? When, like, let's do it real life. There's a coworker that's just slacks off repeatedly. And you're like, man, what is going on here? How do you recognize that fault, but then not have a judgmental spirit? Well, yeah, and there's a verse that actually says that, speaking about Christians, but the idea is everybody gives account to their own master, right? Like, you're not their master. You know, you, so, yeah, you can control how you respond. Yeah. What were you going to say, Mike? Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, would one way to also be, like, asking them, like, why, like, what's going on that they're slacking off? Yeah, I mean, you, it may be appropriate in some situations to very straightforwardly tell somebody, given situations, that, hey, you know, like, we're all trying to work hard together here, and I don't feel like you're helping me, you know? I was thinking, like, maybe if someone isn't usually a slacker. Right. Yeah, so but we're going to face these situations, and we have to make the determination, is this worth confronting the person, or is this going to be, you know, going to bring har more hardship into my own personal job? In either case, though, we have to guard against, really, it's our attitude of how you view that person. It's a question of, do you consider that person less valuable or less um, significant than you, because you are a better person because you work harder. That's the idea of judgmentalism, as to say, God, thank you for teaching me to have a good work ethic. Help me to be a good influence and rub off on those around me. Help them to see that value. Because really, when people, when people sin in any way, they're, not only, they're, they're doing two things. They're sinning against God, but they're also sinning against themselves, and they're devaluing themselves as people created in the image of God. So we should desire the, bent, the good of that person. It's like, I think the best, one of the best examples is Jesus and Zacchaeus, right? He's like, oh, I'm coming to your house, Zacchaeus. And everybody's like, you're going to go to his house? Yeah, I'm going to go to your house. And then he saves him. And Zacchaeus is totally changed and transformed. So I, I just, I like that story. What other, other areas? So those, that, that's a good one. And what other ways? I'll give you a, a one that I think is important for us, especially in a church as we relate to each other. Christians can be very judgmental of other Christians who struggle with different sins than they do. Right? So, like, how many of you have noticed there are certain sins that you have just got victory over? I mean, it's just like the temptation's not even there. You just got victory over this. But then there's some other area of your life that you don't really want people to know about where you, have, you just feel like you just keep stumbling and stumbling and stumbling and stumbling. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. We all have strengths and weaknesses in our faith. I'm not making excuse for anything. I'm not, I'm not doing that. However, what happens is we encounter someone who has a sin that we've got victory over. And we are like, man, what is wrong with them? How could they do that? They're a Christian. How could they behave that way if they're a Christian? 
And so somebody might go over here, and they'd be like, and, and I've, you know, all of these things. They're like, you know, um, you know how could a the person swears, right? They use, they use bad language. I'm trying to think of things that we all agree are bad. Okay, so they use bad language. And so we say, how could they, how could they use those words? They're a Christian. How could they do that? But then, out of the same mouth, you or I, whoever was critical, starts to go and gossip against somebody or complain, murmur. Like, how much does the Bible talk about how bad it is to complain, right? And I find myself sometimes dealing with that. I don't swear. I mean, literally. Like, I don't think I have, I just have never sworn. It's just I wasn't raised to. I just don't do it. Like, maybe, like, it slipped out once or twice, like, literally, so I'm not saying that so you judge me favorably, really. Like I just, it's just not, it's just not a part of my life, right? But I would be embarrassed if you heard all the things I complain about. And just being real with you, like I complain. So, and I'm not saying that's okay. It's not good. I'm not making an excuse for it. But on the, but on the one hand, but think about it. Just think about it though. So I probably, if I'm honest with myself, I probably don't view complaining as harshly as I do bad language. But it's, they're really both, at the, they're, they're both the similar type of sin. It's expressing with the mouth something very unglorifying to God. And so the person who doesn't swear could look at the, this person, but really I've become that person's judge. I'll never forget, there's a young man, he doesn't live around here anymore, but he got saved here in our church maybe 10 years ago, and I was discipling him. <laughs> and we met, we met for a discipleship meeting up at the KFC in Bennington, because he just loved KFC. He thought it was the, cool, the, the best place in the world. So we, we had to go up there. And I'm there, like, doing discipleship with him, and he's just, like, on fire, and he's learning from the Word of God. And every word out of his mouth is like, I mean, I'll just be real. I mean, he's just like, yeah, like bad words. <laughs> kind of like every, and he's talking, we're talking about them. And he, he just, I was just like, he didn't even know he was saying it. And I'm just sitting there making this mental note like, wow, this is, this is interesting, right? So, so I do that to say that example. Like, and I've seen, I've just experienced when I was younger, maybe even, or I'm just like, <gasps> you know, like, and, but we're all works in progress with the Lord, right? There's all, we've all got something God's working on. And so we can become judgmental when we look at one person's behavior and that we don't struggle with that. But we struggle with something else. What were you going to say, Seth? Yeah, that's a great, and that example is perfect, because he was. He's using all this bad language, but he had a, such a pure heart in the moment, right? So aren't you glad that God looks on the inward appearance while man looks on the outward appearance? So, um, so these are causes of judgmentalism in our life, and we need to be careful. It's not, Christian, it's not a Christian behavior. Um, I've seen Christians who are hard workers that are very judgmental of people who take any kind of public assistance. I've seen, 
Christians, judge, there's all kinds of areas in life where we can become judgmental. Jesus says, don't do it. That's all there is to it. Now, in verse 2, he gives us some consequences. So look at verse 2. What are the consequences of judging others? What's going to happen to you? You're going to be judged. To what, to what degree? To the standard that you judge others. Now, who's going to judge you in this regard? Who, who is the... It just says, ye shall be judged. Who is doing the judging now? It doesn't explicitly say, but I think, I, I think we're pretty... Yeah, I think it's the Lord. Yeah, I think it's God. I do think there is a level of other people will also give it back to you. I think that's a part of it too. But I think ultimately, if you want to be held to such a high standard, then maybe God will hold you to that, then God will hold you to that same high standard. And I've seen people that have been very arrogant, very judgmental of others, and then for them to sin at some point in their life, it all just comes out in the open. Some of the most self-righteous people you've ever met, all of a sudden, it all comes out one day, all of the secret sins of their life. And it's not a pretty thing to say. So that's something for us to think about. Were you going to say something or no? No. You, just had, you had like one finger up in a discussion like this, I'd call it, yeah. That's like at an auction where you're bidding or something. You got to be really careful. Really careful. Yeah. Even about work ethic. Yeah. All of those things can be learned. Exactly. Good point. We'll talk about that at the end, too. All right, so this next discussion on the back, the middle of the back. In verse 2, Jesus warns us of the consequences of judging others. So I think we often, we've already talked about this, so we won't discuss it too much now, but isn't it interesting that we want to receive mercy from people, but we don't want to show mercy? Right? Like, if I cut somebody off accidentally or without thinking I'm driving and I do that, I'm just like, oh, please don't honk your horn at me. I'm sorry. I didn't mean, you know, it was an accident, right? That's just a little example. And so I think that illustrates what Jesus is saying here. Hey, do you, the, the, if you'd like to receive mercy, you should be someone who shows mercy. In relationships with husbands and wives, too, this is a, this is a big thing. We want our spouse to cut us some slack, and we need to be willing to extend that grace to others as well. Married people, married people everywhere. Um, we want, Deborah always reminds me of this, right? Like, we want, like, if I do something, like, I want to be shown mercy, right? I want to be shown mer mercy. And that's okay. But I also need to be gracious to extend it, right? So the judgmentalism can even affect us in our interpersonal relationships with our kids, with our spouses. It, make sure the grace and mercy we would like to receive, we extend to other people. Now, in verses 3 through 5, Jesus warns against hypocrisy, right? Like, don't try to fix somebody else's problem without fixing your own, right? It's like, can you imagine sitting down with a marriage counselor? and you find out that they've been divorced five times, you probably wouldn't, you'd probably be like, what are you, like, you going to tell me, right? 
You wouldn't want that person to do that. So, and you wouldn't want to sit down with your financial planner and him tell you that he's on his third bankruptcy and he changed his name five times, right? That is not somebody you'd want to take financial advice from. So he, Jesus has been using hyperbole a lot, exaggerations for effect, and he's like, hey, before you go and try to get that little speck out of your brother's eye, you'd better get that giant beam out of your own eye, right? And it's a humorous illustration for us, but it really says something to us. Before we want to go fix all the problems of other people, we'd better check in on our, we do, better do a little self-evaluation first. Probably to a fault, probably to a fault, I'm very careful. I try not to give people unsolicited advice. You know what I'm talking about? Like people coming up to you and telling you how you're supposed to raise your kids or people coming up to you telling you what you should do with this or that. I, I, I try not to just do that unless somebody asks. You know, well, what do you think about this? Um, because I've discovered that very often when we have problems in our lives, who are the very last people to see the problems in our lives? Yeah, ourselves. But the Bible says in the book of Proverbs a couple of times that a wise man will hear reproofs and get wiser. So we'll listen. So I would say, you know, one of the best things is to ask people to be honest with you. You know, what could... What, what could we do better? What could I do better? What's going on? But um, in a lot of ways, we're, we are blind to our own behavior. Now, if somebody criticizes you, like this person here, how do you deal with it? What if they didn't listen? What if, what if somebody comes and they do criticize you? How do, you, how do you deal with it if you're on the receiving end of this? We know not to be on the giving end of it, but how do you deal with it if, if you're like, hey, man, you got this, you're telling me, right? Oh, you are giving me advice? I wouldn't do that, right? Because that's putting yourself in the opposite judgmental position. How do you receive criticism from people, even if it's, even if it's unsolicited? Yeah, that's a, good, that's a good expression I've heard. Treat it like, like chewing gum. Um, chew on it for a little while, but they say take praise and criticism the same way. You chew on it for a little while, spit it out, don't swallow it, right? But what does that mean? Like how, how should you, if somebody's, how should you take the criticism? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Frank first. Yeah, that you missed the point. You missed the lesson. Well, it depends on the context. I'm actually, Frank's, Frank's come a long way. <laughs> yeah, there was no weapon involved, so we're, we're doing first. We're doing good. That's right. It's definitely a situational thing because this could be somebody. If this is your boss, that's one scenario. If it's someone that dislikes you for nothing that you've done on your own just because there's an envy or a jealousy, which happens in the church often, 
That's another scenario. If it's constructive criticism, it's another scenario. Yeah. No, that's true. There are people that can just be malicious and they criticize for, for they just want to hurt people. You got to watch out for that. That's true. More times than not, even among the harshest of critics, what they say, there's very often at least some degree of truth in it. So you can't, and some people will criticize you, you know, very, like, just harshly. They'll, they'll disobey what Jesus said here. Normally, you'll find if you can be humble enough, there's something in it that you can take away from it. They may have taken a very small thing and made it sound like this is you as a whole person. So you've got to have enough spiritual maturity to not let that affect you. But if you can learn to take reproofs and take correction, then it will. I, I believe that if you can learn how to be on the receiving end of this in a Christian way, It'll, it'll prevent you from being on the giving end of it. You'll be much more compassionate as you deal with other people. Anybody else had thoughts on that? Yep. Right. Right, and I think what you just said kind of ties in what my mom said is that if this is a person who's demonstrated in life that they do have your best interest in mind. Like if you can look back and be like, yeah, you know, th this person has been a help to me. This person cares about me. I should, I should listen to what they say. Yeah, for sure. Yes, faithful are the wounds of, the, of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceit. So, yeah. But for us, as, as if we're part of God's kingdom, like, it's important for us to, to really take to heart. I know that it's, it's funny, and I kind of did it tonight, but it does amaze me. It was just like when I spoke on Ask and You Shall Receive on Sunday morning. I think this is another one of those passages where because people take it out of context, when we go to judge not that you, that you not be judged, because so many people take it out of context, sadly, I think what happens is we come to passages like this, and the first thing people say is, judge not that you be not judged, but you know, we should do some judging. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, okay, but that's not the point of the passage. There are other passages that teach righteous judgments. This passage is to teach us how not to judge. And so let's let it really speak to us, and let's let it show us, like, if we are Christians, and as far as I know, I know every person in the room tonight, you've all committed your lives to Christ. If you're a Christian, then the Holy Spirit is not the one leading you to be judgmental. There's another spirit doing that, but it's not the Holy Spirit. So I want to finish with Galatians 6, 1 through 2, because I think this is just a great passage for the local church. And actually, I think, I think Paul is going back to Matthew on this one. You'll see at the end. He says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law 
not of Moses, but of Christ, the law of Christ and how we treat one another. The law of Christ is you love God with all your heart and then you love your neighbor as yourself. So judge not that ye be not judged. Let's wrap it up with a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for your word and for how clearly it speaks to us. Please, each of us want to pray right now, Lord, that you'd remove the, these roots of um, judgmentalism. And Lord, I think a lot of it is sometimes it comes because we want to validate ourselves or, make, or feed our own insecurities. Lord, help us to know that we have everything we need in you. We don't need to be harsh or critical of others, Lord, but we can trust you. We trust you to work out situations. We can trust you to uh, make things right for us. So now, Lord, I, I just pray that you would um, bless this next portion of our service as we pray with one another. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you in our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.